0: And events like this happen more often, I feel like we have more floods in Houston. We have more hurricanes in Houston. Listen, we may this may be not a one in a hundred year, maybe one in a twenty year now. And so if it is, let's be ready for the next one. And you know, I think we can all agree that loss of life, if we can avoid it, we should do it, whether or how much it costs, but we have to do it smart in the right way. And it's never gonna be perfect.
1: Now know this with jc herrera and cole conkling welcome back everyone today we're going to talk about the texas energy grid last week the grid came very close to a complete meltdown that could have made texas go dark for months an unprecedented winter storm hit the state so hard that many power producers from natural gas to nuclear and wind were brought to their knees with us to explain what happened why it happened and to make sure this these things don't happen again in the future are Nick Ottman and Peter Selber. Nick and Peter are the founders of Infinity Power Partners, one of the fastest growing full-service energy management and consulting firms in the country with offices in Houston and Cleveland, Ohio. Infinity is licensed and operating in every deregulated state across the US and Canada for both power and gas. After achieving double-digit growth rates in each year of its existence, the company will be celebrating its 10th year in business in 2021. So Nick, Peter, welcome to Now Know This. Thank, Thank you. you for having us.
2: Yeah, thanks for having us. We're excited to be here.
1: So before we get into all the mess that is the Texas Energy Grid and what happened last week, tell me a bit more about Infinity Power Partners. You guys broker energy for all types of end users, or is it or is it just commercial?
0: It's, it's mainly, C, it's all C&I, no commercial residential, industrial. but a lot of REITs, a lot of commercial real estate, whether that be multifamily, student housing, office, retail, industrial, and or a lot of nonprofits, hospitals, manufacturers. But why, do they, why are they hiring you and not going directly to the companies? It used to be the best way to procure power was probably to go direct to, i.e. a reliant, a direct energy, whoever that may be. But as things evolved in, in the Texas power market, people realized they needed an expert, someone that would come to them with their agenda, not the agenda of that supplier. If you go direct to a supplier, yeah, you, that supplier may be very well versed and knowledgeable, but that supplier is at the table with their agenda. We do not have a favorite. We bring the whole competitive marketplace to that table. We have leverage because we have a book of business with these suppliers, and we know the ins and outs of each supplier and what would fit best for your type of business. So people realize now that, okay, I need someone to have my back and my best interest. And with that, the market is now probably 80 or 90% on the broker consultant side. The big boys, i.e. Fortune 500, et cetera, a lot of them do have in-house expertise management company, in-house energy management people or you know partners, but... The majority of the CNI crowd now uses someone like us.
3: So this may be a uh, ignorant question, but do your clients contract with you guys, or are they still contracting with the uh, power generator?
0: So
2: some clients, we have written agreements in place that stipulate, you know, the terms of our services and what we provide them. Uh, most, it's just a handshake and agreement, and we're the intermediary between the retail supplier and the consumer customer themselves.
1: Basically, then this is a unique market to Texas or is this something that you could this company could do somewhere
2: else about 17 states are deregulated in the US for electricity probably 25 or so states for natural gas uh, so the deregulation has been around, it started in Texas in 99, and ever since then, it's just been a free-for-all. So unfortunately, in our, in our space, I mean, think of us as like a real estate broker or an insurance agent, except we're here with you throughout the entire term of the contract, right? Meaning an issue arises, you reach out to us. You don't have to go reach out to Reliant or Direct or whomever to try to resolve something. You know, we're your eyes and ears for the market. We come to you and say, hey, there's future risk take action. Or, hey, there's a future opportunity. Take action. Do something now. Wait. So we're the advocate for the consumer or for our clients. Yeah. To add to
0: that, I'd like to say, though, you know, we're a broker, but we're also a consultant, meaning we're a full-service energy management firm. We have ops. We have financial. We have risk. Obviously, we have sales. But we can do anything from ground-up construction, working with the local utilities, permitting etc working with existing obviously infrastructure uh, we know the ins and outs of every state that's even either, either even if it's a regulated state we can help you in those states .ie Louisiana Mississippi Florida even though there may not be a choice for contracting we can help you with a local utility local you know, regulator so
2: you guys are like a one-stop shop you would say it's a good way to think of it yeah and as I was saying I mean just in Texas alone there are 1300 brokers that registered and literally it's signing a piece of paper which is insane to think that could be a mom-and-pop shop that has one electricity provider they work with and they call themselves a broker so we're really a holistic consulting firm where we can offer you know renewables we can offer long-term contracts we can offer electricity gas I mean energy efficiency uh, opportunities stuff of that nature so um, it's a it's a it's a crazy market for the broker consultants and so hopefully this, oh. this, this whole winter storm chaos will shake out some of the, the, the...
0: Yeah, to add to that, as Peter said, 1,300 brokers, probably 100 suppliers. And I know we're going to get into this deregulation regulate regulation issue here. I really hope that we, on our side, listen, I'm a free market capitalistic guy. I don't like a lot of regulation, but on the broker consultant side, there needs to be a little more, a little more vetting, maybe a little more licensing, bonding, PUC requirements where the PUC has teeth. They can come in and say, you lose your license, just like in financial you know, trading or stock same type deal. You know, you, you mess up, there's consequences. You may lose your license, you may get you fined, whatever it may be. Right now, it's a wild, wild west. You're a DirecTV salesman, no offense to DirecTV salesman, but can be an energy broker. So as Peter said, there's 1,300, there's probably, not exaggerating, maybe 20 or 30 that do, do a job, good job, a good job. And so, okay, expanding on that then,
1: um, Why don't you guys who are in this business every single day um, explain for people that are just getting to know that Texas has its own power grid separate from the whole USA after what we had went through last week, what, what happened last
2: week and why did it happen? So, you know, Texas, everything's bigger and better. Uh, At least we seem to think. Until last week. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, So essentially Texas, we are an island of our own, right? Um, Other, other parts of the of the United States, they're interconnected. They can move power from point A to point B. So if there's a shortage of supply and there's an ex- excess of demand, they can move it from A to B, right? And so in Texas, essentially what happened was we got this winter storm, extreme temperatures, one in a hundred year storm. And the gist of it is everyone started turning on their electricity for heating purposes, whatnot, right? And basically we didn't have enough power supply to meet that demand. You had... A whole slew of events that occurred. You had gas-fired power plants that froze up, that wouldn't, weren't able to turn on. You had nuclear plants that had same similar issues.
1: And is that because they're not being winterized? They're not
2: winterized, right? A lot of power plants during this time of year have scheduled maintenance, and so we knew going into this that we were, you know, we were running with less. And that's
3: because typically in Texas, the, the highest demands in the summer. Correct. Right? So you do
2: scheduled maintenance no. in, the, in the winter, right? And- to make
0: sure you're ready for the summer peak months. Exactly. Very little usage happens usually in the winter. This right. was an anomaly.
2: Yeah, so you know, in other parts of the country where they ex- experience extreme cold weather, their power plants are winterized, right? Because that's, what, that's their extremes. Here in Texas, we shut these plants down, as you said, to ultimately prepare them for brutal summers. And the
0: windmills weren't winterized. In North Dakota and Iowa, they yeah, work t- just fine. They're winterized. They have heaters on them, actually. So wind went to literally zero,
1: so like we're, let's just say that Texas grids, Texas power producers are
0: summarized in a sense.
1: Correct. Like they, correct. They, everything is built more for summer for high needs. peaks yeah. than it is for yeah. anything. Just, in the just
0: like in Ohio, we were talking to some people the other day. If Ohio had 10 days or eight days, whatever it was of 110 degree weather, they're not set up for that. They'd probably have their own issues of demand as well. So it's the same type deal. And we should have done this years ago many administrations ago there was recommendations all the way I think back to the 80s we've read
1: yeah I have here that in 2011 there was something there was another freeze I think. yeah, there, was. And there was rolling brownouts mainly in Dallas
2: so Dallas and Dallas power plants gas turbines couldn't kick on because right. it was too cold and yep. so we had a similar situation now you didn't see the the, the, the price spikes and, that you saw here and the
0: longevity of the cold was about 12 or 24 hours not 84 hours yeah. Right, so not four days. So, so you know, we should have done something on the weatherization. That's probably the biggest issue. And as Peter alluded to, another big issue. Really, it ca- it came down to weatherization and also that our natural gas wellheads in West Texas that feed that natural gas, the feedstock to the, the natural gas plants, the generators, they froze. So you had a capacity issue. And you had a weatherization issue. Yes, there's some other things. And yes, you know, we can go into if we were connected to the call it, you know national grid, would it have really solved things? Probably not as much. I really think it comes down to weatherization. It would have helped. 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 No question about it. We'd still have mass issues. Um, it's more... So, okay. So one of the problems was
1: maybe that we could have imported energy, had be, had the infrastructure to import energy Two. The power plants are not really incentivized here to be winterized. That's correct. correct. I mean, they're not. That's correct. They're not. If if even I know in 2011, ERCOT recommended right, but again, they're not an enforcing agency. They can't enforce them
2: to do anything. They cannot. They can't go tell a private company that they have to to go do. They're technically a nonprofit hmm. uh,
0: manager. Right. So
2: maybe explain for the audience what ERCOT is, how they're set up. So, yeah. So ERCOT, the Electricity Reliability Council of Texas, ultimately, they are the ones that manage the grid. They make sure everything works. Right. But they're not the regulated utility, the center points, the encores, so on and so forth. Right. So ERCOT manages, you know, some co-ops. I mean, they're about 90 percent of the grid in Texas. Right. And so ERCOT. Manages this entire grid, and when they start to see issues occur, what they do is they contact these utilities and they say, I don't care how you do it, but make sure that you can shed this much load in this amount of time, right? So
0: Centerpoint in Houston was the ones curtailing the load and issuing the brownout.
2: So when these emergencies, you know, when we hit EE3, all of a sudden, Centerpoint is calling all their industrial loads. They're calling residential customers. They're calling businesses, and they're saying, turn off everything you can as quickly as you can. Otherwise, you know, shit's going to hit the fan. Um, And so, ERCOT, they're also a clearinghouse, right? They make sure that, that you know people the are paid, collateral, and, and the generators are paid by the retail suppliers, and they make sure that everything is trued up. So you know that that's really the service, the, the purpose that and they. And serve. Ma-
3: like I think you kind of alluded to this, but they're matching supply and demand.
0: Correct, the grid. exactly right.
2: Because if it doesn't match, up, you got you know, big problems. Yeah, problem. yeah, and, yeah. And,
0: and whether ERCOT's to blame or not, they, they they really did the right thing with the tools they had at the time.
1: Um, yeah. I was reading somewhere that if they hadn't done that, we would have had a two month blackout.
0: Yeah, it could have been weeks or months. I mean, the grid would have literally blowing up. I mean, not literally, but figuratively, but kind of blowing up. You'd and have to piecemeal have have it back together, and we would not be doing this interview right now, I can tell you that.
1: And I guess what's striking, and what made so many people so mad, is that this is this was almost a, yes, it got very cold, but it was more of a man-made problem than it was a nature
2: problem, in essence. Yeah, and i like to use this analogy, right? I mean, you know, everyone after this event is is griping and moaning about not having power, not having heat, and it's completely understandable, but it's like saying to someone, hey, my neighbor has a generator, right? And they had power throughout this entire event because it ran off gas and things were great and they were up and running. We all have the option to go buy generators for It's our an homes, insurance right? premium. We all have the option. Do you want to go spend the money to do that? So it's like looking at these generators and saying, okay, it's a once in a hundred year storm. We're not built for this. Why go spend money and build out the infrastructure to winterize these plants when the likelihood of this happening is, you know, one in a hundred, right? I mean, so... Um, but
1: isn't that where maybe not having this complete deregulation might help where these unexpected storms have some sort of government involvement to where
0: I think, yeah, there's going to have to be, we're going to look back and say, okay, we should have done this and should have done that. But listen, Monday morning quarterback doesn't help anybody. So we got to fix the problem at hand. You know, this isn't a regulation or deregulation issue. And as, as Peter said, you know, anybody could have bought a generator and generator sales are through the roof because now people want a generator good for generator companies. Um, The ratepayers. We're going to have to pay for this, whether we did it or we didn't do it. We're going to have to pay for it. It's Just like a hurricane recovery cost line item. Everybody sees it in Houston on their center point bill, right? No one's going to do it for free. So how we're going to pay for it. That's a different discussion, but I think moving forward, we're going to have to regulate the generators, meaning they have to winterize new generation or put some regulation yeah, in play. You, yeah, can't, it,
2: you can't regulate the generators it's a free market right but you can put some you have to do it,
0: it's like when you build a home like, there's just a different s- building standard well, it's right. like having a code that's saying code. hey yeah. if you're going to do if your yeah, natural yeah. gas plant pipes froze right uh you
1: might want to think of putting some insulation exactly
0: in the at least there do, the, at least do the bare minimum here yeah, right yeah, you at least yeah. have to meet it, these standards and, and wind turbines are going to you know be winterized as well and i think they're going to do the nuclear plants and they're probably going to do in my opinion what they should do is one, I think, listen, natural gas had its own issues, but without natural gas baseload, Texas would be really, really screwed. Natural gas did shine. It doesn't freeze. It wasn't perfect, but it did shine here. And so if they can incentivize more natural gas baseload to come online and for emergency purposes when we need it, I think that's one way to solve this. Also, you know, this this isn't a— like you said one, fossil fuels, renewables, the pundits on both sides have their argument and most of them are usually wrong and don't know what they're talking about. But, you know, there's a, there's, a place for, there's a place for wind, there's a place for solar, there's a place for natural gas. Coal's done, we all know that. Whether you like it or not, it's done. It's just not economical anymore. And then I think, you know, nuclear, I hate saying it, I, I think nuclear's great. If you look up in what Illinois did during this, um, uh, this storm, I think six nuclear plants I read, Exelon had fired up. 100% capacity and really helped Illinois stay online. Nuclear is clean burning. Fukushima kind of really ruined that, you know, because of what happened. And and that, nuclear is great.
1: And, and I think that's, look, the key here is, you know, I hate it when we all turn on the TV and everything becomes politicized immediately. Extremes, right? and, I mean, it's and, extremes. And, 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 and people all of a sudden start blaming wind turbines or they start blaming natural gas plants. Oh, look at the fossil fuel industry. Look at the green energy. Or they start blaming the Green New Deal. And the truth usually is, very gray. It's not black or white. It's not one or the other. And I think it's important for people to understand how complicated of a problem this is, that there isn't, oh, let's just blame clean energy, or let's just blame fossil fuel industry. Right.
2: There are a lot of parties involved, that, that and there's a lot of finger pointing going on. And you know, each party has their own issues, right? I mean, each piece of the equation has their own issues, right? No, nothing in this world is perfect Besides maybe, yeah, well, besides, besides, besides maybe Nick, well,
3: both sides have, well, have an agenda, and I mean, I was a little disappointed to see someone like Greg Abbott, you know, immediately jump to that conclusion when we all knew it was false. Yeah, and then AOC uh, comes back
1: and Green New Deal. It doesn't. Yeah, it's but, like, that's, it doesn't but that's but that's because problem. but politicians will always have an agenda. Yeah, and I think the important thing is in today's world where it's so tough to get through the BS of the news how do you actually understand what has happening or not and i think you know i'm going to try to make shows like my like my show here a way for people to really get down to the bottom of hey here's what actually happened and here's you know the person that you want to point your finger at and be mad at usually is probably not
0: completely at fault. Yep. Right. Just like ERCOT is taking all the blame here. And they really shouldn't be. Um, you know, I ERCOT
3: mean, was following the legislature's uh, edict. ERCOT so had to do what they, to they had to, had to do. And yeah. I know,
0: you know, everybody threw ERCOT on the bus. We already have resonations, right or wrong. Um, You know, people fall on the sword. So there's a lot of blame. There's a lot of blame to be had in the past, past administrations, past politicians, past ERCOT board, past generator people. Right. So, again, we have to look at what we can fix now. We know that I think the the capacity issue was, you know, there wasn't enough capacity, i.e. natural gas to get to the wells because the generators were freezing up. And again, I think if you really look at it, it's winterization, i.e., weatherization. And
2: and speaking on the gas piece, you got to remember, down here in Houston, it's not like you know we use a whole bunch of gas, right? I mean, for our residential homes, but up in the up in the northern part, the western part of the state, a lot of that gas was sent to residential homes or to hospitals or to schools right and I know a lot of the schools aren't open but people come first right so yeah they got to power the grid but they use gas for heating up there and a lot of that gas was directed to those residential customers so they could keep their homes warm so you know when you don't have gas-fired power plants that could come online because they've frozen up and you're already redirecting a lot of this gas to go to residential consumers to keep themselves warm that's a problem yeah, and I want to go
3: back to something like I think Nick mentioned earlier is, you know, I'm a free market guy, capitalist as well. But in some sense, I mean, like we said, they didn't winterize, right, because the risk was so small. And so why, why am I a power generator going to winterize? Because it costs a good deal of money when my neighbor, you know, my competitor's not doing it. And so it's a fine line to, to let the free market take care of everything. Free markets are great for doing certain things, but we need to have some kind of regulation
1: that everybody's paying into that way. Everybody can be on a level playing field and we and, can protect and, the
3: grid. And, that's and, to,
1: and to add to that, it's look, it's forget about free market or government. It, I think it's more about you need to align the incentives. I completely understand, right? The power company that doesn't want to winterize. If I was the CEO of a power company, I probably wouldn't either. I don't have incentives. Apex, why why know, would I? what are my incentives? Billions, billions of dollars, right? but the incentives for the regulators or our politicians in a way are to avoid the pitfalls we had avoid, exactly even if it's a 1 2% 3% chance of happening you cannot afford people dying because of their freezing and, and, to death. and whether you believe
0: in climate change global warming, whatever you may believe, we all know the world is changing, whether this is man-made or not man-made. And events like this happen more often. I feel like we have more floods in Houston. We have more hurricanes in Houston. Listen, we may this may be not a one in a hundred year, maybe one in a 20 year now. Exactly. And so if it is, let's be ready for the next one. And you know, I think we can all agree that loss of life, if we can avoid it, we should do it, whether how much it costs, but we have to do it smart in the right way. And it's never going to be perfect. Regula- regulated states had their own issues. Louisiana, Mississippi, lots of outages. They're on the national grid. No,
1: not only that, the regulated states also have a much more expensive electricity bill and th-
0: everything. Th- that is true. It and is- look at California as a sense. They've had massive rolling blackout issues. They're connected you know, to the—I uh, forgot yeah. the, the zone over there. California Texas. Yes, But, but I, feel, yeah. I, yeah.
1: I feel that California and Texas are good examples because on one hand, you have California extremely regulated, yeah. right? Um, have their own problems with a with a group... But again, I'm going to go back to the politicians here because it's, again, it's, it's everyone's ideology getting the best of them and them not seeing through their own ideologies as to what is the problem-solving method of solving something.
2: Yeah. yeah. Right?
1: California has a very uh, regulate-everything policy. Texas has a complete opposite policy. Both have now shown their flaws, yeah. which I think, look... It's more pragmatic than just having this one ideology. Well,
2: California was actually, you know, and this is a concern that I have, you know, California at one point was deregulated and Enron came in and they started manipulating the market and California went back to regulation. Now they had a stipulation, you know, they basically said any consumer that was on deregulation or participating in that will be able to continue to participate in deregulation. If you want. If you want through the direct access program. They have slowly started to open that up in, in some of their different utilities, really to the larger, larger users of the world, the Apple. So. And it
1: be, because it creates incentives. Again, again, I think people are driven by incentives. And if you can find a way to align the incentives correctly to where we don't have catastrophes like this, but at the same time, create a competitive market for people to come in and try to compete.
2: P- people want options, right? I mean, you know, you, you, you go to Target or to HEB and you can get 40 different, you know, syrups or 40 different things of rice or whatever, right? And I think the big issue is people rely on electricity for for their livelihood, right? I mean, to keep you warm, to keep you cool in the summer. Electricity is like food. It's like water. It's something that we we essentially take for granted until something like last week. And so, yeah, I mean, it's difficult. You know, you've got... Groups on one side saying, I don't want to spend the money to do this. And then something like this happens and all of a sudden there's an uproar and it's okay. How can we meet in the middle and make sure that people are taken care of and that, you know, things are done safely. So an event like this, when it does happen, you know, we're prepared. I mean, it's like a hurricane, right? I mean, you know, we, we continue to learn from these past hurricanes. What can we do better? And you started to see, you know, what used to be overhead, you know, poles and wires. Well, now it's pretty much mandatory that if you're going to build somewhere, you got to put your wires underground, right? So... Look, we'll learn from this. We'll get better, but there's going to have to be cooperation all around. So, do you
3: me. think that do you think that this time is different? Yes, because like, I, I saw something on TV. I think it was Glenn Hagar, uh, Texas politician, almost ten years ago to the day, saying it was after the Dallas blackout, saying, "Hey, this is a problem. You know, we need to fix it. We need to winterize." And this was on the floor of the Texas Senate or House. And it was like 10 years of the
2: day before this. The, the, the problem was the, market, the market's evolved, right? Yep. The, the wholesale market for power has evolved. So back then, just to put it in perspective, when that event occurred in, in, I think, February of 2011, yeah, power prices spiked throughout Texas. I think if you were on an index product, meaning you were buying your power in 15-minute increments and you didn't put a hedge in place, you just kept purchasing power and kept using it your monthly bill might have been 14 cents.
0: Yeah, the caps well, were a lot lower. We'll when, get into that next.
2: When but. you start to see system maxes at $9,000 a megawatt hour or $9 per kilowatt hour, like I literally hand Juan Carlos a $10 bill, he hands me a dollar back, that type of $9. Well, when you have those sort of prints over 15-minute intervals for four or five days, I mean, there's going to be sticker shock, right? We've got a client <clears> that you know has some exposure to index. They're very well aware of the product. It's called a block and index. Seventy-five percent of it's fixed. The other twenty-five percent is spot buying power as they use it. You know, and the conversation we're having is what may have been a twenty-thousand-dollar bill could be as much as two or three hundred thousand dollars this month, right? So
0: all because of four days, not even because of, them, of four, four days, days so. right?
2: So what was fourteen cents in twenty eleven? You know, we're hearing numbers as high as two dollars a kilowatt hour now. You're you're seeing.
0: And there's also speculators in that market. 100%. Yeah, and then you'll see like the FERC and all of them have come out and the the, the, the I forgot, the DOE and all that have come out and said they're investigating that right now because there may be some shady stuff going on beforehand. To I mean, aren't, aren't there like hedge funds that can yeah. trade this? Yeah, hedge funds, make- PowerDesk, BP, Citigroup, uh,
2: you, you name it, you can, Goldman. There are plenty of power desks that that will trade, you know. Congestion, Some made a lot of
0: money, some got burned.
2: I mean, you know, yeah, and people that were long, you know, that that had excess power to sell back, made a lot of money. I mean, there were consumers, businesses, that when they curtailed, excuse me, they were participating in programs called Demand Response, right? You basically are on call, and we've got a written agreement with someone who's going to manage that load, and they say, hey, we need you to shut off X, Y, and Z, we need you to drop your consumption, and for doing so, we're gonna incentivize you with payments. The beauty of that program is if it's never called, you get paid. Just to be ready. Just to be ready. But when something like this happens, you're talking staggering numbers millions and millions. We heard a supply. These types of consumers, mainly like industrial. Yeah, big, big users. You know, your
0: your, your commercial real estate guys are not set up for industrials, manufacturers, the guys that you you would think of when you think of Fortune 500 companies. They can shed load real quick. They have building service systems, software, because it has to happen. It does happen within a second like that.
2: You know, just a thought that popped in my head, you know, it's interesting, you know, these data centers, there's so much redundancy there, right? I mean, that might be something that we look at, right? And that probably goes back to winterization on a much smaller scale. But, you know, for the most part, I had cell phone service. For the most part, I had internet, right? I mean, so they're doing something right. They're spinning an arm and a leg. But data centers are secure. but, But those data centers, I mean, flood... I
3: did not. I did not have cell service. When the, when the power went out at my house, the cell went out, and I was
2: back. In A the lot house. of cell towers it went was, out. It was it was it was spotty, but I'm just you know for the most part you know you could get it in and around town, but yeah. there were times yeah. that it was out. No question about How
1: it. How do you then take the best of both worlds? How do you get it to where you keep the competitiveness of this right? You keep this open market open. I mean, Texas prides itself of having an independent energy market. Um, how do you maintain that going forward, especially when considering the fact that, like you said, Nick, this is probably not going to be a once in a hundred year event, maybe because of climate change. Maybe the climate is changing where it's getting, you know, the jet streams dropping and we might be getting colder air here. Whether that's true or not, it is not known yet. But it might also be that electricity demand is going to go through the roof if we're going to be doing EV, more vehicles. electric cars and we're going to do everything yeah. like that. It so definitely you know? will go through the roof. So the demand is only going to increase. And, and we're growing as a forward. population. Correct. And if we don't get our heads around this now, 10 years from now, again, this might not, this might be the two month wait that we're
0: waiting now for electricity. Yeah, We we can't wait. I think now's the time and, and kind of, you know, to go back just a little, and then we'll talk about that. But um, as to these wholesale prices caps at $9,000 a megawatt hour. So we're the only, as we've talked about, we're on an island. We're the only energy only state, meaning The producers make their money, the generators make their money when power prices spike. They're incentivized when the wholesale market spikes. All other markets are capacity, meaning there is a line item charge that everybody pays for that the generators, like center point here, the utility, is a guaranteed profit to have generation online, whether they use it or not. Texas is only, or generators in Texas are only incentivized to you know, at these high level marks, a lot of times they're losing money.
2: Would it make sense for them to come on? What it makes
0: and it sell power. It's sell power and yeah, to I
3: think like. Well, and what, what you're s- saying is that they have like other states have excess capacity. No, it's not excess
0: capacity. They're, they're incentivized to always basically be ready and be up now. Do they have mothball maintenance and all that? Yes, but they're all they're like they're. In other states, they're almost like a regulated utility. They're guaranteed. There's a capacity charge on everybody's bill, residential or commercial, for those generators to have a profit to be up and be ready at certain times, right? In Texas, for them to make money, you have to have spikes at certain times. Now in Texas, these spikes are usually in the summer and they're usually for shorter periods of time, an hour, three hours, four hours, makes a lot of money. It wasn't incentivized, what this did now was incentivize these these outrageous wholesale prices for four days straight. And actually it was, what what you look back on now is, is actually, they were selling something they didn't have enough of, and it wasn't. It wasn't made for that. It was actually made to make sure we had enough of what we were selling, and so. It, so it's the
1: business model of these power companies, the producers of power, uh, knowing factoring in that they're only gonna they're they're gonna make their years in a small period of months. Usually July, August, Generally September.
2: speaking. I mean, yeah. the last few years in, in Texas, you know, it's been it's been a struggle for these generators to make money. Right? You have extremes like August of 2019, where you know we hit. We hit the most consumption we've ever hit, right? We we had the most megawatt hours of consumption ever, and power prices settled I think at fourteen, fifteen cents per kilowatt hour, right? I think
0: twenty, but yeah, depending right. on yeah. your your yeah.
2: depending on when your bill was read and what which days is manageable, you got, <laughs> right? But the the, the issues with these capacity markets essentially they've got generators that that are getting payments just just to be ready to kick on when they need power here you're a generator, right? Like, you don't have to take on. If, if, you're, if it costs you too much money to run your power plant during nine months out of the year, you don't have to run it.
0: Now, let me, let me tell you this. They did want to run it at these prices, mm. and it comes back to weatherization. Yeah. This wasn't that they didn't want to run it. They couldn't run it because of weatherization. So all the generators would have been full steam ahead if we were weatherized. So it would have worked, and you wouldn't have had $9,000 prices for that long, and I think they will go back and probably G- retroactively...
3: Do you think if we had the capacity payments, like you're saying, that other states have, we would have been in a better position? I do.
0: I do. Maybe yeah. we've been weatherized.
2: Well, weather, weatherization, obviously, is, is is probably very important to that. But yes, I mean, if you have a capacity market and whether or not you actually generate power, you know you're going to get paid. Well, you're going to be incentivized, obviously. And, and the government picks up the slack? Is is that the, something state, the,
0: gov- the, the state, state or, the government. or the feds, it depends. They, they, they set, like, at center point, the state, the state sets the rate and everybody proves on it and they vote on so,
3: it. So— I want to know whether you think uh, having the capacity program or uh, whatever we want to call it the other states do, would that have been an incentive for these generators to winterize? Well, they are
0: winterized up there because they're cold, obviously. But, but yes. I, but I think yes, because yes. I think it would have been something discussed saying part of this capacity, part of the stuff that the consumer, i.e. you and all of us at this table, have to pay for There has to be a weatherization line item. And yes, um, I think it would have. Now- you know does it mean it's the right thing to do now i don't know i think that's it's it's i think we're going to see a lot of things shake out in the next weeks and months and we'll see where that shakes out but it's it's definitely going to be a discussion i think yeah. and that again it's not a regulated or deregulated issue ohio illinois Pennsylvania, capacity markets are deregulated, free market, okay? But there is some sort of regulation on the side where there's, it, you know, guarantees.
1: It, 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 just, it just goes back to having, like we said, code on buildings that yeah. you're building so they don't fall down, right? You, 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 they're not regulated per se, but you just can't build a structure a certain way or else it'll collapse so and kill It comes everyone. back to safety,
0: consumer protection almost.
1: Right. And so it's having that balance then to make sure that now to the grid energy question, Texas has its own grid. Right, it's the only state within the lower forty-eight that's just by itself in a silo, like you said, Peter, and besides
0: some like El Paso. Is that is that I,
1: I get the I get the reasons? I get it why? Because I I I I'm a Texan. We all take pride as being Texans and being independent. Um, but do you think this is still a good thing going forward, or should it be included in some form into the national grid?
2: I think with the, I think some changes will need to be made. Right. I mean, we're going to learn from this, and we'll, we'll get better. You know, that's what that's what we do. We 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 learn from these mistakes, and we try to improve on them for for future blips like this. And this was very extreme, right? I mean, um, I I I love us having our own grid. I mean, it really hasn't been a major issue up until last week, right? Yeah, we've had some blips on the radar. Um, should we have made some changes and taken it more, more seriously in 2011? Yeah, we probably should have, right? Have we? After seeing all these different hurricanes, I mean, look, Mother Nature's changing. And so either, you know, you, you, you change or you get left behind. And so there will definitely be serious conversations which are which are already being had about what occurred. And so, yes, we're going to see changes. What those changes are, the dust has to settle, right? But changes are coming. Yeah,
0: and I, I think... Um as of now, I would say, no, I don't want to be and have that federal oversight. But I think if we don't get it right now, shame on us. And absolutely, we have to have all that federal oversight. Um, but maybe it's not an extreme. Maybe it's not having federal
1: oversight completely. Or, may, I mean, at least maybe make some changes to where, again, you guys know more about this than I do, but it make, at least make some changes to where we could have the piping or the infrastructure built to where if we needed an emergency to import power, somehow we could get it. So
0: once we touch it, then the feds come in. It doesn't matter if it's emergency or not. So once we're in, we're in. Um, So I think as of now, I would have to say no, but there's going to be major changes that need to happen. Um, and uh there the state needs to be almost like the feds and I know they should have been already, but now they need to be okay, we're the federal government. What happens? Well, how do we, you know, make this better? How do we correct this? So I just don't want that federal oversight as of now, my opinion. Will it happen? Maybe it will. But again, would it have helped? Yes, but it would have fixed it. Absolutely not. Well
3: but even if but even if we have let's say we do connect to the other grids and if we do have federal oversight it can still be a deregulated market. Absolutely, because right? sure. there's, there's what well, you said seventeen other 17 states. Seventeen electricity that,
0: and twenty five thirty and yes,
3: yeah, absolutely. So we can, I mean, I, so I want listeners to understand that it's not like an either or. It like, doesn't go to Louisiana. Regulated, deregulated. It's like we can still be deregulated, have a free market. We're just going to have a little more oversight. Yeah, and to touch on that, it's good or
0: bad deregulation regulation thing. I know there's a lot of talk. Well, you know her. Uh, there's a local congressman I want Harris County to be in its own grid well d- good luck with that and I you know and I and I, <laughs> I, don't, and, want, I don't want that yeah yeah and yeah. I want I'm out on that I, I want I want everything regulated and, and, and this again didn't have to do with anything deregulated or regulated there's a lot of stuff that goes into effect uh, of what happened but it, it just had zero to do with what happened regulation now i want to say deregulation I'm talking about the competitive marketplace that's what I'm talking about the consumers have a choice I'm not saying deregulation of the you know of the energy grid where you know the generators basically yeah. were freefall there there needs to be some regulation on that but to take away if you wanted to go re-reg everything you're going to have to pay all hundreds and thousands and millions of contracts right you can't it's, it's like taking someone's company away including mine they're going to have to come pay me for it. it's like eminent domain you can't take someone's property away and usually they overpay for those companies so people will walk away or, or properties right so it, it doesn't, you know, you know, this congressman, you know, tomorrow we got to go our grid and regulate. Well, good luck.
3: Well, it's just like saying like home builders compete against each other to build homes. And, and that's good for home prices. We, we If we believe in free markets, but you still have to abide by a building code. Exactly.
0: And that's yeah. that's really kind of a good analogy. The grayness of this whole problem
1: is trying to find pragmatic solutions to it. And first, also, you know, but but before we do that, even it's trying to identify what those problems are, I'm going to address a problem we haven't addressed yet, which I don't know how you guys tell me how much this is affecting the mass population, but should there be a cap into how much your electricity bill could be or how much profit could be for for the consumer, especially for the residentials, right? That like you see these stories on the news. I don't know how common or not common it is that people are getting these $15,000 bills, That are on these floating rates. First of all, my question is why are why are some people doing that and some people not? Most people aren't. No, but what 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 contracts are these people signing that are
2: that are that are having their bills float like that? So there's a company out there called Gritty and everyone likes buzzwords and everyone likes you know wholesale wholesale. Where's
3: that company from?
2: California. California. Yeah. People love the sexy words, wholesale power, right? I'm selling this to you at wholesale, right? Everyone likes that. I mean, that sounds sexy. I think I'm getting the better deal than my neighbor and so on and so forth. I think anyone who signed up for Gritty should have known what they were getting themselves into, right? Markets have ebbs and flows.
1: Yeah, but Peter, I'm going to push back on that because most people, including myself, have no idea what they're getting into when they, get, when they sign in Energy, especially the residential
0: guys. I don't think consumers and small commercials should be allowed on those type of products. I think there's going to be some regulation around that, that moving forward, you're not, you know, you don't, you don't extend a hundred line, hundred, you know, thousand dollar line of credit casino to a guy that's worth, you know, a thousand dollars. How does my Reliant Energy bill usually work? So your Reliant Energy is a fixed rate and meaning that it's basically fixed at whatever that is, $0. eight cents, nine cents, 10 cents a KWH and whatever your usage is, that's times that. And that's how you get 98, 90% of consumers. But it's, a, but
1: it's a fixed rate that, I mean, it fluctuates every month just based off of my energy consumption. It, it fluctuates right. on your
0: usage, but your right. fixed rate is for a term, 12, 24, 36, Got 48 it. months.
2: Well, then you, and, and then
1: you pay the regulated Well, because I did log into my Reliant account immediately. <laughs> yeah. And I did see exactly. that I only owe about 100 bucks. Yeah, yeah, so. yeah you're, you're, you're <laughs> fine. When
3: I read the story about the, sick, the guy that owed a $16,000 bill, I was like, well, I better go log into Reliant <laughs> right now. Yeah. So,
0: so there's going to be some consumer protection right. around those things and, and, and whether those people... People get bailed out or retroactively they go back and put those wholesale caps at different levels because there was about a people say 24 or 32 hours where the puc let the wholesalers stay elevated because if they just didn't know what type of you know weather was coming and so there's a lot of talk to go back at least those periods and adjust it to more nor, normal level now <clears throat> will that alleviate everything no but it'll sure help so we'll, we'll see what happens
2: You know, so it goes back to nothing in this world is free, right? So anyone who thinks they're getting the greatest deal in the world Read the fine print. Understand that if you're on an index market, it's just like the stock market. You invest in a stock and guess what? All of a sudden <clears> the <throat> stock's at a hundred bucks and something bad happens, it goes to $2. You know that risk. There's no guarantee that stock's yeah. gonna stay at a hundred dollars. Like, like
3: people who do adjustable rate mortgages. It's like yeah, 100%. Yeah.
0: Now yeah. the mortgages I don't think will go from 5% to 100% like this did, but it, it, there, it, it, people got burned. I think a lot of people knew it and are crying to the wolves just because they can and the media is gonna pick on that because the media always goes for the worst story. But again, 98, 90 percent of the people in Texas, they're with reputable suppliers and they're locked in, whether
2: you're a residential or commercial, you have no issues. One of, the, one of the things these utilities did was,, yeah, the old meters, <laughs> there, there's something called an IDR meter on bigger well, buildings, utilities. an interval data reader recorder, which would take reads in 15 minutes, right? So you knew how much you were using at a given time. Those were for bigger customers. What ended up happening was a few years ago, You know, everyone saw on their bill a new line item from the regulated utility. They started installing these smart meters. So what ended up happening with these smart meters was, okay, now it may not be an IDR big bulky meter, but it still, it'll take 15-minute reads. And so what ends up happening with these 15-minute reads is, depending on your provider, what they could have done is they could have used the user's load profile, meaning, okay, I'm going to estimate what this customer used during this time. So if I saw zero reads, the utility gets these zero reads, they smooth it over and assume that something's wrong with the meter. And so what ends up happening is you now are getting billed for power you didn't use. And so what what Nick was getting at is they are now having to go back and they're having to actually take a look at those 15 minute reads and make sure that people that were without power aren't being billed on an average load profile. They're actually going to get billed for Power they used or power they didn't use. So the smart meters are coming into play, but once again, all these suppliers are having to hold back bills for all these people that were on index or, or variable plans because they're having to go back and manually check these reads so that they're not billing people that were without power.
1: So if I'm a consumer, whether I'm in whether it's industrial, commercial, or or residential, what is the best way you think that people should go about signing energy bills? I mean, if it's energy it,
0: contracts, energy
2: con- they just, you know, uh, most people don't know, right? Like, I don't know what's best. You see the advertisement that look, some, someone as Nick alluded earlier, someone goes to Vegas and someone plays the penny slots. Their risk tolerance is obviously very low. Someone goes to a high roller table and is playing a hundred, hundred thousand dollars a hand of blackjack. If you're a residential consumer and you want consistency with your bill, go find a true fixed price plan. If you, but I think
1: I'm just going to speak on behalf. I think most consumers are just now learning of the variability. I bet you most people don't even know that people can trade energy and make hedge funds off of it and stuff like that, right? Most people are used to paying... They didn't even know about ERCOT. Most people are used to paying $100, $100 for Comcast, $50 for their Netflix, HBO, and whatever subscriptions, and... 100 or $200, depending on their usage of energy. They're not used to getting these surprises or like, which is to your point, Peter, which is saying if someone comes to you and says, hey, your bill is going to be now 20 bucks a month and then all of a sudden it's 10000 you should have known better. What's the catch, right? I mean, what's, what's the, the catch? catch,
2: right? And so at that point, if someone comes to me and, you know, I mean, any business person, I would say, okay, well, this doesn't sound right. There's got to be something tricky or funky or something just isn't right here. I mean, $20, is there any risk? ask the questions right and so you know there's a website power to choose it's it's for residential consumers it is not the easiest thing to navigate you've got free nights and weekend plans being offered and you know anything once again that's free you're somehow getting screwed you're getting screwed but pooch somewhere in that in, in right during the week is high so exactly. for, so for a
1: conservative user of residential if you don't know really and you don't want to get into the weeds of
2: value and risk and whatnot go for a flat go for a go for a fixed plan you, you know a flat fix. A flat fix plan, right? Now, when you get to, and, and if you like risk, great. If Gritty's still around after everything shakes out, <laughs> get on Gritty. You know, you, you, it's risk reward. You've obviously seen what the risk is, you yeah. know. Do you,
3: do you do all think there's a difference between the uh, provider? Let's say, like, just comparing, let's say the providers are offering the same, two providers are offering the same exact plan, same exact contract, but one's the big, big name that everybody knows. Or creditworthiness,
0: creditworthiness. Are they
2: going to be in business after an event like this? And there's That's going to be comes what, into play.
0: what we've heard—a handful, or maybe even ten to twenty suppliers that default and are gone. They probably shouldn't have been here anyway because they were, you know, bad debt, what over leveraged, whatever it may be. But you know. But the, the, what's the, the
3: risk to the consumer? Even it's if zero risk if the supply. Now you just
2: got to change companies. You got to change providers, right? You yeah. go to what they call provider of last resort. So let's just say if you're a residential consumer and all of a sudden your supplier goes out of business, you're going to be given a few day window to switch to another provider. Let's just say no other provider wants to buy their the the, the contract. Yeah, from usually
0: it's going to be bought pennies on the dollar. But if not,
2: if not, you go to provider of last resort. Polar, it's called. You get notice, and essentially, if you do nothing. You default to, you don't lose power, you default to provider X. And there are voluntary providers and there are a few providers that are just always in that pool and now all of a sudden you're on an unattractive month-to-month rate until you make changes. And so there are a lot of people who, like you said, I mean, I get my cable bill, I get my HBO bill, I pay it as I get it, whatever it is, you know, it's just, it's a bill. And you'd be surprised, there are a lot of homeowners out there who just pay their power bill. And they've been on month to month for years and they don't even know it. And they're paying 15 cents and they could be paying 9 or 10 cents, right? So a lot of people, I think, just view this as, oh, it's another bill. I got to pay it. And it is what it is.
0: A lot of people don't even know you still don't have a choice. I think you don't. You know, we get sometimes, oh, my, reliance my option. Well, they don't know. They, they, it's like HLMP still back in the days. I
2: mean, they just don't know. I mean, I've got some older, older clients that live in high rises and, you know, they're on the board, right, for example. And I've been with Reliant for 20 years since they were HLMP. And, you know, I have to tell them, like, look happy to help you with your residential, you know, your residential account and i sh- here's the best plan. Well, will my power go out? No, your power's not going to go out. We're going to sign you up online, it's going to take 5 minutes. You'll get a final bill and then all of a sudden you get a new bill from the other provider. But, you know, to get back to your question on what should a commercial business do, a restaurant or what should a hospital do? It differs. What's your risk tolerance, right? Some people want to float index because historically buying your power in real time has come out ahead of a fixed price. With a fixed price, the supplier wears all the risk. The supplier's gonna put a premium in there to wear that risk, right? But you know you can sleep easy at night knowing that, great, I use what I need to use and if I use more or less, my price stays the same. If I'm on an index plan, I'm paying whatever real-time prices are. If there's a blowout of the market, I'm susceptible to that. Now if prices like they've been clearing the past few days where you're actually getting paid to use power, that's the beauty of the index market. But you, I mean, the index market blowing out will definitely change our industry uh, you're going to see higher prices. You will probably see some consolidation, right? People, are, these suppliers are nervous, right? They, they, these hundred percent full swing contracts, where you can use as much or as little on this fixed price, they may be going to the wayside. You may start to see, you know, restrictions. Okay, we're going to put a twenty percent band on your on your power. As I said earlier, you use a hundred kilowatt hours, I purchased it. Anything over one hundred and twenty, just what? Anything under eighty, or anything under eighty, you're paying a different price. It's, you're at the market rate, right? and so you're going to see contractual language, um, you know, and, and flexibility, it's going to tighten. I mean, so. Or there's going to be a
0: premium much higher premium. than there is now for those 100% bandwidth. So there's going to be a lot of things to shake out. The, the the winners, you know, will win and the losers will lose. Um, and we'll have to see where it all shakes out. And, you know, I think to add to that, I think you have to have, uh, you know, as we went back in the beginning of this uh, program, find an advocate, find a consultant, find a broker that you trust and, and has your back and do research and ask people and call, call, Nick, call that call Nick and Peter. <laughs> yes. Call us. Yeah. Well, but I mean, you, you do, you know, we tell all people all the time, like, you know, okay, if don't, you know, if you don't use us, here are some reputable firms to use. Cause on our side, um, going into that, I think there is need for some regulation again, not a lot, but some right now it's a wild, wild west. And, uh, I, I think we, we need to have some reining that in, um, whether it be licensing or PEC requirements or, or stuff like that. And you, and you guys will help,
2: uh, you know, consumers understand their risk tolerance, right? right? I mean, that's kind of what you do. That's what we do. And, and I mean, transparency is, is, is king, right? I mean, when we first started our company, one of the first things we did was, look, you know, we had worked at a previous broker who, you know, what broker shop who had told us, <clears throat> excuse me, t- tell, the, tell your customers your services are free, the provider pays you. And then pray to God they don't ask any more questions. Okay, we realized there were some good things we took from from that previous employer. There were some things that we would never replicate. And, you know, one of those things was, well, transparency. Like, how can we be an advocate for the customer? Well, if we're going to be an advocate for the customer, they should know how we're compensated, right? So we tell our clients, hey, here's how we're compensated. Here's what this looks like. So if I get you a rate of $0.04 and the the low bid supplier is $3.8 cents, I'm gonna make that two of a penny spread. The supplier will pay me monthly, but that you know that that's how this works.
0: Just like a real estate broker, whether it be residential or commercial, you know their percentage in the deal. Um and probably if you can't tell someone your fee, there's a reason you can't tell someone your fee.
2: It's it's too high, right? I mean, that's basically what it boils down to. Yeah. And the financial markets are we're we're experts at that. Fees <laughs> yeah. are don't a, worry about these it. Fees are a common
1: topic of discussion. Well, hey, just to end it, um, you know just to recap, I think we did a good job of explaining what happened last week. And we touched on some of the solutions that I think could be had. Um, what would be kind of a, a parting message for people to remember or, or to take away uh, from what we went through in looking forward in the whole energy market? Yeah, this, this
2: too yeah. shall pass, right? Um, ultimately, there will be changes that come, right? Whether I said, you know, whether it's Some more regulation on the generation side, you know whether they look to re-regulate, which is an an extreme. uh, But changes are coming; they'll likely be for the good. Um, But you know, just pay attention to your bills, whether it's your, you know, and pay attention to what you're signing. You know, right? You're you're, you are obligating yourself when you sign a contract to X, Y, and Z terms. So just be sure you know what you're getting yourself into. If you don't know what you're getting yourself into, find someone that can help you. Right? Um, You know, it's just like insurance or financial, you know, advising yeah i could go and try to become an expert at this but i could spend a whole lot of time doing it and i may not be the smartest guy in the room so find the smartest guy or gal in the room and take their advice right remember nothing is free in this world you're going to pay for that knowledge and that wisdom but it's going to benefit you in the long run right Guys, thank you for coming. I think we're all a lot,
1: I think we're all smarter on knowing about the energy markets and what happened last week. So thanks for coming on.
0: Juan Cole, really appreciate the time. A lot of fun. Um, really enjoyed it. And thanks guys for having us.
1: Now know this. With JC Herrera and Cole Conkling.